I'm Leah Witt. And I'm Billy Liggett. And this rhymes with orange. Our guest today is Dr. Salvatore Mercogliano, Dr. Sal. He is the Associate Professor of History at Campbell University. In addition to several other duties that he has here, and we'll definitely talk about all those, but uh, welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Sal. As we begin with every guest, uh, first thing we'll ask you is, how did you get to Campbell University? Well, thanks for the opportunity to come talk to you guys. Uh, I came to Campbell kind of in a securitist route. Uh, my wife actually attended law school here, so she uh, graduated in 2001. So my first experience with Campbell was coming here in 1999 when I finished uh, classwork at the University of Alabama in my Ph.D. And we moved into what was then graduate housing on campus which was a trailer park where the Convocation Center is today. I've heard about that. I it was. It was, it was, it was a Pharmacy Loop in Law Lane. And so I lived on Law Lane, which is right across from uh, the uh, shortstop, uh, basically where the big sign was, is where my single-wide trailer, my 14-by-70-foot my, my <laughs> trailer was, and my wife, uh, myself, and three dogs lived uh, <laughs> while she was attending law school, which used to be the library here. And uh, that was my first experience with Campbell, and uh, it was at some function. I can't even remember what it was now, but it was over in Lundy Fetterman School of Business. I met the uh, chair of the History, Criminal Justice, and, and, and Political Science Department, which at the time was Marty Sellers, and got into conversation. He said, hey, why don't you come teach a course for us? And so I started teaching a Western Civ course for them probably right around 2000, 2001. It was the very first class I ever taught. And uh, prior to that, just a few years prior to that, when I was at East Carolina University, uh, I attended a conference where I met Jim Martin. And this is uh, 1997. I met Jim Martin, and I talked to him about the prospects of a budding graduate student being hired at Campbell University. And Jim basically told me that it's not good. Uh, <laughs> the, the prospects are not good. Uh, and then 13 years later, he hires me. Uh, so I always hold that over him uh, now for, for that. But uh, I started teaching. I, I jumped around quite a bit in teaching. It's just the job of, of being a professor. So I taught for a year at Methodist. I taught for two years at ECU. Uh, I actually stopped teaching for a little bit except for teaching part-time here because I had to finish my doctoral dissertation. So I worked as a firefighter up in Coates full-time yeah. to pay the bills. Uh, and then I went to go teach for a year at the U.S. Military Academy. Came back here, taught at Central Carolina Community College, taught at UNC Chapel Hill, and then the job opened up here. And and they knew me because, like I said, I've taught part-time here. And, and uh, I got the full-time position in 2010. been here ever since. So your background, um, I'm going – I was looking over your, your education uh, – uh, what do you call it? Your your list here. I'll just call it a list. Uh, Bachelor of Science in Marine Transportation from uh, New York Maritime College. A Master's in Maritime History from the Nautical Archaeology School at ECU. Am I getting this right? PhD in Military Naval History from the University of Alabama. Incredible background. and I imagine an incredible wealth of knowledge sitting over here. But uh, maritime history. Uh, I, I follow you on social media. You you post a lot of things about what's going on out in the seas. Uh, what sparked the interest in that? 
I grew up in uh, New York, uh, the Southern Shore of Long Island, New York. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, so I was a New York kid. And uh, my dad uh, had a boat. He, he loved to go fishing. He's a, he was a big deep-sea fisherman. He loved to go do that. And so my job was to go out with him in the boat all the time. And, and I was basically the designated driver. I'd go out and drive the boat. That's, that's, I wasn't a big fisherman. I didn't like fishing too much. But I loved driving the boat. That yeah. was my job. And so we'd take this 30-foot boat out. We'd go to 100 miles offshore. And my favorite thing was where we would go fish, it was a, a deep spot in the ocean right there. But you would see the ships coming out of New York Harbor, out of Ambrose Channel. And so I had this real big desire to get a job at sea. It was what I wanted to do. And my, my goal was to go to the U.S. Naval Academy. Uh, got into the U.S. Naval Academy. I was all excited to go. I was, I was all set to go. And then the Navy told me that because of my eyes, because my eyes weren't correct, my, my eyes were worse than 2,200, that I could never drive a ship for the Navy. And that's all I wanted to do. That was my big dream was to drive ships for the Navy. So uh, I had to turn down my appointment to West, uh, to, excuse me, to Annapolis, and I was kind of like lost for a second because I had no other applications out. So I was kind of stuck without a job, without a college. And SUNY Maritime, which was in New York, was a school that taught merchant mariners. So it was not the Navy, it was the commercial side. So there's six schools that do that. New York was right there. So I went to New York Maritime, uh, did that four years. I graduated my BS in Marine Transportation, my third mate's license. And then lo and behold, I got a job sailing ships for the Navy. That's what I wound up doing. So for, for seven years, I worked for the U.S. Navy sailing and, and working ashore for them, doing uh, exactly what I wanted to do for them in the first place. Your dream job? It was. It was, it was, it was the best job I ever had. I, I, I got to say, you know, as a young kid, 21, graduating from college, uh, one of my first ship down in Norfolk, Virginia. I was on it for 11 months. I, I loved it. It was, it, it was, it was a great job. You, huge responsibilities. You travel everywhere. It, it was, it was fantastic. It was, it was, it was a dream job because you get to go all these places and being on a ship is great because you know you live on the ship but you pull into a new port all the time so you don't have to unpack. You don't have to travel. It's just you know, hey, we're there, and and you do these kind of outrageous things with ships. The ships I sailed on for the Navy were replenishment ships largely, so we go out in the middle of the ocean, pull up alongside another ship, and at 13 knots, about. 16, 17 miles an hour, you sail in the same direction with another ship 140 feet alongside of you while you pump, you know, high-octane fuel to them <laughs> and, and, and hope nothing bursts and catches on fire <laughs> while you do it. So it was great. It was, it was fun to do all the time. It was a great, uh, great uh, excitement. And it really got my interest going in maritime history, too, while I was out there. Well, speaking of maritime history, I was listening to a local-ish podcast this summer, and um, it's called Away Message, and they went to remote places in the in North Carolina, and they went to a quarter mile off the coast and found a shipwreck that had just recently been uncovered. It was a Civil War U-boat, I believe. I think I just, that's what kind of boat it was. But it had been there for, since the Civil War, no one had ever seen it, and it was right there. So what's been the most interesting thing maritime history was that discovery in North Carolina to you? Well, I... I did the master's program at, at, at East Carolina. In fact, I was just back there on Friday to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the uh, what's called mar today maritime studies. When I when I went there, it was maritime history and nautical archaeology, and it, it's one of the few programs in the country that that does nautical archaeology, literally jumping in the water and, and surveying it. And North Carolina is great for maritime history. I absolutely adore North Carolina for maritime history. I got to say, my favorite wreck 
in North Carolina is is the Monitor. It, it, it's without a doubt probably the most interesting, you know, sinking off the coast of Cape Hatteras on December 31st of 1862. You know, this very first Union ironclad that sunk and now it's preserved up in the, the Mariner's Museum up in uh, Newport News. Mm-hmm. It's it's just amazing. It, it's, it's bringing the, the wreck up from 250 feet, the turret, the guns, the engine, the prop, the shaft. It's, it, it's amazing. They're, they're, they're conserving it now, putting it back together. But North Carolina is just, there's so much in maritime history in North Carolina. It's amazing. The CSS News in, 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 in Kinston, uh, the wrecks in Albemarle and Pamlico Sound, uh, it, it's, it's not unusual. And, and, of course, the biggest wreck, probably the most controversial going on in North Carolina, is the Queen Anne's Revenge mm-hmm. at Ocracoke, the, the, the finding of the ship, which is believed to be Blackbeard's ship and and you know it also raises the issue of of nautical archaeology i always talk about archaeology because because i help with the criminal justice and the uh homeland security side and archaeology is just basically csi history you know it's the same thing you're just you know going in there trying to piece together the story of it and i think that's my favorite thing about it and ships are like snapshots of history you can actually see the technology you can see how people lived and you can go visit museum ships which are great but but wrecks are so much more interesting because they, they capture at a specific moment what's on a ship mm-hmm. and so you start piecing together what are all these artifacts here what do they mean what were they carrying what was the ship going what was it doing and and a big argument we get into in my field is is archaeologists love to get into the details. They're wonkiest people in the world. They'll get talking about lengths of planks and nails and, you know, how they're driven in. But what I like to do is look at that information and look at it as it fits into the context of history. So I, I don't know if I have a favorite rack. It's hard to narrow. Like I said, the Monitor is one of my favorite. But, but one of the big efforts right now is to expand the, the Monitor Sanctuary, which was, is administered by NOAA, the, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, was the first marine sanctuary. And there was a proposal to expand that sanctuary, to expand it along the coast of the Outer Banks, which is one of these great sites of, of maritime wrecks, uh, especially with the uh, ships that were sunk there during World War II. I'm a big World War II guy, so I like to study that. So the U-boats and the ships sunk off there. It, people don't realize that World War II is right off the coast of North Carolina, that, that, that the largest sinking of ships took place not at Pearl Harbor, but the six months afterwards, right off the coast by U-boats and German ships you know, within sight of Hatteras and Wilmington and, and, and all the beaches in North Carolina. So I think that's my favorite aspect. I think it's really interesting how when a ship wrecks, how the ecosystem kind of envelops it, engulfs it, and, you know, starts creating an environment around it um, once it's been there for a while. Oh, it's, it, it's, it's it, you know, understanding it, because one of the things I do love about it, too, is is you have to understand the, the, the environment mm-hmm. that ships are in. And so different shipwrecks in different environments behave differently. I was up in uh, Lake Huron, up at, the, uh, up at a place called Thunder Bay a few years ago for a conference. And Lake Huron's amazing because it's cold and fresh water. So you can dive into Lake Huron and find wrecks that are perfectly preserved. You still see the mass on sailing ships standing up. You don't see that here because they get eaten away by, by, by biologics. And, and, but even right now in Huron, they're being invaded by these uh, zebra mollusks. So they're in a, a big issue because the zebra mollusks were brought in because once you open the Great Lakes to international shipping back in the 1950s, they didn't realize that this, this growth on the hull was being introduced there. And now they're blooming and exploding. And so understanding the environment's a key thing. Well, I'm going to steer us back on to uh, dry land here. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about your time here at Campbell. Um, uh, I know you're a very humble man, but uh, I'm just going to let you know you are a very popular professor here. You are a 
two-time Professor of the Year, which is a, um, and maybe three, I, I have two here, but uh, which is decided on by the students. And I know you've also, your colleagues have awarded you the Dean's Excellence Award for teaching. And then we saw a bunch of flamingos out in the yard here for, uh, um, I don't know who put that out there, but a happy 50th birthday, Dr. Sal. By the way, happy birthday. Uh, talk about your time at Campbell and uh, what it means to you to be a professor and to, and to uh, be around these students and to get the love back that you get from them. How, how does that it, it, It's funny. I went to a very, a very small, SUNY Maritime is a very small school. I mean, ridiculously small. I mean, there, there was 125 in my graduating class. So, I mean, we knew each other very, very, very much. And then I'd go to grad school in these big schools, ECU in Alabama. And, and I always call Campbell the Goldilocks school. It's not too big, not too small. I always love the fit it has. And uh, I, I'm, all my accolades and everything like that are not mine. I, it, it's my background. It's, it's, it's the professors I have that influence me. I remember being at SUNY Maritime and having uh, professors and teachers and guys on the training ship we would go out to sea with in the summer times who were hands-on professors. They were my favorite professors, and I, I learned from them. People at ECU in Alabama, that's what influences me. And, and one of the things uh, I always tell my students is I had a very poor undergraduate experience, and, and I, I hate for a student to have that. I, I don't want them to have a four-year experience like I had where I was kind of miserable in the environment I was in. And what got me through it was having some professors, some coaches, some 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 friends that got me through that experience. And so I, I've embraced that philosophy. That's a philosophy I do. And and for me the eight years here have been have flown by. It's been it's been the longest job I've ever had, which which amazes me to this day. I think about that sometimes. But one of the great things about Campbell is it'll challenge you. It is, it is a place where you can do what you want to do. If if you want to sit there and be an assistant professor of history and just do your classes, you're you're fine. You can do that. That's not a problem. If, however, you want to venture out and do some things, you know, the administration will tap you to do things. You know, uh, we were talking about earlier uh, running this conference. I'm getting ready to run now. I did a conference two years ago, and one of the things that happens at Campbell is if you do a good job once, you're going to do a good job a second time, and they're going to tap you for that. Uh, you, were, had, you were running the Big South Research Undergraduate Research Symposium, and, and what's the event this weekend? There's going to be the State of North Carolina Undergraduate Research and Creativity Symposium, bringing in 700 students and mentors and faculty and friends coming in for a one-day conference to present interdisciplinary research, which is, you know, we get to showcase our students and other students from across the state, which is great, bringing people onto campus, showing Campbell what it is. A lot of people that haven't been here or, or haven't been here in a long time and don't realize what the university has. And, and my favorite thing about the university is, is again, the fact that you, I can do things here that I don't always have a chance to do. So right when I got here, I, I was helped start up the women's lacrosse team. No, no one else knew anything about lacrosse, so they kind of did a quick little runaround. It was like, anyone know anything about lacrosse? And, and I played in college, and so I was like, well, okay, I'll help. I did a help recruit the coach. I helped coach for a little bit, and now I get to do the color commentary. I've been doing that for six years. I mean, I got an opportunity to broadcast the Big South Championship game two years ago on ESPN3. I, I never <laughs> in my life thought that would be something I did. And, and, and I have a, br a brother who's an assistant AD out of the University of New Mexico, and it drives him crazy because he says, you never liked sports. You, you're not the sports guy. <laughs> but that's the opportunity that Campbell gives. Work with the RTC program. You know, I, I, I think one of the best things about it is I get to go outside of my department and work with other groups. I mean, last year I became the faculty athletic rep to the Big South and, and, and the NCAA. So it, it's, it's been great. It's been, I, I got to say, it's, it's a, I have a lot of fun here. 
as you can tell. And my birthday was just one of those examples. That was my family, by the way, who put out the flamingos. Okay. And, All right. and that. But I did have, uh, I still have an office full of uh, uh, 50 beach balls that I have to get rid of uh, for my birthday. <laughs> nice. And, and uh, students singing happy birthday to me and coming by. It's a, It was a great day. So I, I can't complain. I had a great birthday. I, t- I turned 40 recently. So uh, how does 50 feel? You gotta let me know. It's 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 funny because you turn fifty, everyone's like, "Wow, yeah, congratulations!" And 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 you can take it one or two ways. It's like it's like, well, you know, they're really they're you wishing it. you a happy birthday. And the other one they're wishing <laughs> you is like, "Man, you made it!" It's like it's like you didn't die. Congratulations. And and so it's kind of weird. You know, you you know, it you don't ever feel different. I I never feel different than I did when when I was twenty one. But now you start realizing it's like, okay, that's a it is a different age all of a sudden because you're not quite as young as you think you are sometimes. And, and you know when you're getting older when you hurt yourself and you don't know how you hurt yourself. That's yes. what I always say, you yes. know, when you get up and you're like, oh, that hurt. Odd back pains and right. wrists. Right. When you're young and you hurt yourself, you know how exactly how you hurt yourself. When you're yes. old and you get hurt, it's like, I don't know what I did, but this hurts a lot. My wife says I'm the biggest wimp because I have these unexplained pains come and go and <laughs> it's terrible. And I'm still I'm 10 years behind and I know exactly how you feel. I'm just going to sit over here and enjoy not being in pain <laughs> and knowing how I got hurt. <laughs> Well, to circle us back into current events in non-Campbell land, um, I saw in the news recently that two women and their dogs were rescued by the Navy. Um, they had been lost at sea for six months, and they said that they had encountered a tropical storm the first night out, and now they're realizing that there wasn't any storm activity in that area that they claimed they were in. What's your opinion when people get lost at sea like I, that? I, I find it very hard to believe they're lost at sea for six months. It's It's just not something that happens you know the sea is you know i I love sailing and and the sea's a a very unforgiving thing everything is fine till it's not fine you know and things go catastrophically wrong at sea when they go wrong they don't go little wrong they go big wrong very fast and and so i i just i don't know how much i buy that story right now to tell you the truth it just it makes there's a lot of suspicion about it now don't get me wrong the navy saves people all the time I, i think you know, my favorite thing is, is talking about the Navy and, and, and what the, the role the Navy does, and I think they're they're absolutely essential. You know, my old ship that I sailed on, the hospital ship Comfort's down in Puerto Rico right now providing, you know, critical aid, and, and, and I, I think you get a lot from it. This, I, I, don't, I have some suspicions about this story. Yeah, me too. I don't know this story. Why would they lie about it? I, I don't know, but when they were, the footage of them being rescued, she still had on, like, hot pink Crocs, so okay. I was just like, okay, I don't buy that you've been gone for six months. And they still have the dog. Which, I know, which, the, which, the dogs. Which, pardon me, if you're at sea for six months and you're starving to death, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, not to be cruel to dogs. I have, I've, I've had many dogs. I still have a dog to this day. It's, it's, I think if you, if it comes between you, your survival and the dog, the dog's going to lose that, that equation right there. Or at least the Crocs, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out of time. Uh, this went very quickly. So thank you very much. Uh, great, great guest. We'd love to have you on again some other time. And, uh, Uh, Good luck with 50 and all that entails. (laughs) I appreciate that very much. Well, next week I will be joined by a different host um, for a couple weeks. And uh, there's a very good reason for that, a very happy reason for that. And that's because... This is the last time you will hear Leah Witt on this podcast because in three weeks she will return as Leah Jarvis. That's so weird. That is right. It's it's <laughs> Leah Witt's last day. <laughs> so you're getting married. You're getting married this week. Um, on Saturday. Uh, without just sounding very generic, and uh, we're joined by 
our producer Sarah Harden to talk uh, to talk wedding. Um, very generic question. How's it feel? Well, it's very exciting. Um, I feel like we've been engaged for a year, and I feel like it took forever to get here, and now it's flying by. And now it's here, and, and now you're, it's here, and, and it's nothing's like, oh, ready. Oh my <laughs> gosh! No, everything's ready. It's mainly I'm just keeping people at bay, telling them not to stress out. So give us the details. Where is it at? How many people? Oh my gosh! What you wearing? Well, you know, What's I'm gonna wear white. <laughs> um, at one really impressive thing about Leah's wedding is that she is making her own wedding cake. Yes. So talk a little bit about that. I find that amazing. Yeah, well, it's also it, a big money saver too. Well, yeah, we're balling on a budget here. You know, we got we have five degrees from Campbell. So yeah. Um, no, it it sparked as a conversation with my future mother-in-law, and um, we prepped the cakes and we've had them ready to go. They've been freezing for a couple of weeks, and now one of her dear friends is going to assemble it. I learned all about putting support rods in cake. I did not know you had to do that. Dowel rods. So she's going to, she's kind enough to come on Saturday and assemble it for us. And we've got little peg dolls that look like us with a cake topper. Fondant on it? No, no, I do not want that. It's you're just. In, I see you're laughing over there. Are you amazed <laughs> that I knew what fondant was? Yes. Have you been watching the Great British Baking Show, Billy? No, no, I just. I hear it's the nicest show on TV. I just know TV. that one word. So. Well, I, I actually have a Campbell tie into this story. I was um, talking, we were at a wedding three weeks ago, another Campbell couple. And I was thinking about our wedding party, and all but three people in our wedding party, plus us, are from Campbell, or have a Campbell tie. So my wedding is brought to you by Campbell University. I remember we did a story a couple years ago that Campbell made some list as uh, one of the top places to meet your future spouse, or to meet your spouse, whatever, um, as far as universities go. And I can't remember if it was just North Carolina or if it was in the country, but... Um, Suddenly, a lot of people started sharing their How We Met at Campbell stories. And so um, I'm not going to ask you how you met or anything like that. But uh, what is it about Campbell that you think brings people together? Well, I, I think it goes back to, you know, the common denominator of everyone, what they love about Campbell. And it's the people. It's such a good environment to get to know people. And it's very a very family atmosphere and safe and familiar but i did have a really great how we met story oh well then i will ask you how'd you meet (laughs) we started undergrad together and i had nothing i wanted nothing to do with him he swears he would sit on the back of his truck bed and wave at me and say hey leah and i just would ignore him and walk by and i remember senior year my spring formal he tried to dance with me and i was like somebody get this kid away from me because he looks like a crazy person He's six feet tall, and his arms were flailing around. And I was just like, no, mm-mm. So we've known each other for nine years now. And it took my coworker, who happened to know him as a student in pharmacy school. We're both the same age, by the way. He was just in school for eight years, and I graduated in three. So um, my coworker slash best friend was like, you know, Kevin Jarvis would be good for you. And I'm like, nah. I don't. I know him. No, I don't think so. That's not a good match. She's like, no, I'll, I'll put some money on it. And sure enough, the day he graduated, he asked me out, and we've been together ever since. And now you owe this friend some money. Yeah, I kind of do. But I, I put a thank you, Lee, in our wedding program, so that should that should tie her over. Well, good luck Thanks. this weekend. Um, I know 
your coworkers are very excited for you. And, I know. Uh, y'all are so awesome. Um, y'all celebrated me with a cake last week. That's right. And so we will put to rest Leah Witt. Hmm. <laughs> rest That's going to be so, so hard. I've been Leah Witt dun, dun, dun. for 27 years, and it's Halloween, and you're, you're not going to hyphenate it. You're not going to just straight Jarvis. No, straight Jarvis. Straight Jarvis. I've been okay. told on our hall they're going to start calling me LJ. LJ. Like, LL, LL, LL Cool J? Is that is that somebody? <laughs> Well, we'll miss you for the next few weeks. Well, I'm sure uh, you'll have, have a good time. Uh, you have a co-host lined up, don't yeah, you? Yeah, we do. Um, she was actually our second guest, Michelle Perez. She's excited to join us next week. And then I think the week you return, we will have a co-host replacing me for that yeah, week. Yeah, we're so going to have is, our Christmas episode. So this is uh, this is kind of our last go-around for this semester. It's been fun. It's been real. And uh, thank you, Sarah, for everything you've done helping run the show here. Um, we will... Uh, I don't know, do we just go right into it now? <laughs> the uh, who we're brought to you by and all that kind of stuff. Rhymes with Orange is a product of Campbell University's Office of Communications and Marketing. Vice President for Institutional Advancement is Dr. Britt Davis, and Assistant Vice President for Communications and Marketing is Haven Hoddle. Director of Visual Identity is Jonathan Bronsink, and Director of Web is Nikki Zawal. Rhymes with Orange is co-produced by Sarah Harden, our Director of Marketing, and co-hosted by Leah Witt, soon-to-be Jarvis. That's me. And I'm Billy Liggett, and uh, thank you for listening to what is Episode 8 of Rhymes with Orange. Um, You can find all episodes on iTunes, Uh, Please go to iTunes and rate us and review us. We would really appreciate your feedback and your five stars. And uh, we'll see you next week. Until then. Go Camels. Camels.